Ah, oh, for Christ's sake, Anakin! Hello and welcome to another episode of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. That's right, we're here on episode 4 already, coming to you from sunny suburban Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Yeah, that's right, we finally got some sun. There was probably the wettest June on record. Uh, and now we're back to Biblical Parallel, our Biblical Parallel series. That's right. We're talking about Qui-Gon and John the Baptist, as the title of this episode implies. Uh, Qui-Gon, or by Jordan's Banks, hear Qui-Gon's cry. I'll get to what that means. Uh, but first, the news. Uh, D23 this past weekend, so D23, Disney 23, is, is Disney's official fan club. And every, now I guess every two years, they hold a convention, uh, as, as they would. They just, Disney goes ahead and holds their own fan convention for all their properties and products. And of course, Star Wars is part of the house of the mouse. And so they had a big, uh, big impact on their live action, uh, one of, one of the major live action properties and big impact in their live action part of their marketing, uh, for Disney. Uh, yeah, they do. They don't really have much. Star Wars doesn't usually have much of a presence at Comic Con, and they do tend to do the big push, uh, big marketing push at Star Wars Celebration. But they do have a presence at D twenty three. We thought maybe we'd get a uh, an announcement of a new standalone. Maybe we get footage from the Han Solo film. Who knows? Uh, what we did get was a sizzle reel from the Last Jedi. Uh, that, you know, and, and that's basically all we got. We didn't really get any, we didn't get any news of a standalone. We didn't get any news from Han Solo except for Ron Howard coming out and saying, glad to be here. Everything's going fine as best we can. <laughs> um, and, and the lack of news, that is to be expected. Uh, they have so much work to do on the Han Solo film to get it back up to speed. As I, I talked a few weeks ago, um, so, so we didn't really expect much. It would have been nice to see something, but uh, this isn't like uh, last year's Star Wars celebration where we were really being conditioned to see a Rogue One trailer, and I was one of the many who were very deeply disappointed, felt let down by our, our wonderful dancing partner at Lucasfilm for not showing us anything from Rogue One, but the film turned out pretty great, I'd say, and so... Uh, glad that they're now focusing on, well, focusing on the work to get Han Solo back up. I still think they should move that to the December date, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, and yeah, the focus on The Last Jedi, it's coming soon, guys. We, we, we forget. It's, I forget sometimes with all the, the news and hoopla and controversy surrounding Han Solo. The Last Jedi is only what, uh, Five months away from now, and if I do the math right, and and so gotta focus on that. We gotta get be getting a new trailer soon. Uh, what we did get again was this sizzle reel, this behind the scenes, like we got with uh, Force Awakens, like we got with Rogue One. Uh, showed us some some new stuff actually. It showed us Finn and Rose going undercover, Rose the new character going undercover in First Order garb. It showed us. Uh, new footage, uh, new yeah, new footage, new steals of new images of Laura Dern's character, the Resistance Vice Admiral Holdo. Showed us things we've already kind of seen of Ray 
training, shows Luke in new garb, Chewie by the campfire, the Falcon, at least we think that's Chewie. Some some new things that might actually have led to, of course, some pretty good speculation about what the story might be, and you can you see that all over the internet. It's there. So, that's the news from, from D23. Uh, again, if, if more came out, no Obi-Wan spinoff yet, but come on. <laughs> we, we know that that's coming. Um, and speaking of Obi-Wan Kenobi, here's, here's a good segue to uh, his wonderful master, Qui-Gon Jinn. And I'm going to go transition now into this topic that I've wanted to do since before founding the podcast. I always you know, wondered, oh, Qui-Gon Jinn, John the Baptist, what's going on there? Is there some parallel there? And interestingly, in late June, uh, I mentioned Mike Klimo's Instagram account. He does; He's on Twitter too, but his Instagram account is really where it's at, at Mike Klimo. And uh, in late June, he posted this little brief, brief essay by another Instagram user, Tony Ferris, who's at TPF1138. Good. Get the 1138 in there. Tony Ferris, he... he does this whole little essay on Qui-Gon Jinn being the culmination of Luke Skywalker's journey. And, and I definitely recommend you go read it. It's from June 25th, but uh, and then the com- discussion in the comments was quite fruitful. And it was great timing because I was already starting to stew over this, this podcast, this episode. And Qui-Gon as culmination, you know, it fits well with John the Baptist, because uh, you know, the parallels there, John the Baptist, as we know, is really the culmination of the prophetic role in Israel. And Qui-Gon Jinn is, in a way, yeah, he's the culmination of Luke's growth and Luke's maturity to be able to transcend uh, the status quo and question it in a mature way. Um, but even... Even in the, the narratives itself, we see we see in the Phantom Menace this opening, and the very first things we see uh, is, is this consular ship, and the very first bit of dialogue of a, a major character is Qui Gon telling Obi Wan, "Be mindful of the living force, my young Padawan," and that line right there does not get the attention it deserves. It that line right there sets off, I think, the whole entire saga. Because for a thousand years, this uh, system, this Jedi Republic alliance, the Sith in hiding, things... You know, there were the skirmishes on the side, but the Force was about to do something weird and strange and uh, about to jolt everything. And, and I don't just mean a dark side disturbance, I mean what we see in the saga and what we still yet to see fully in the sequel saga but uh, go back to my Anakin as uh, or Darth Vader as, as the sign, an icon of the crucifixion to see what, I, uh, what I'm getting in there uh, Phantom Menace immediately, <laughs> Qui-Gon Jinn be mindful of the Ling Force the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Mark scholars generally agree, you know, I mean this doesn't entirely matter too much that it's the earliest gospel. We can all easily agree. It's the simplest, it's the most straightforward 
Uh, doesn't mean it's the the most basic. Nothing's basic about the gospel, except that it's meant to be received only by kids. And that's a whole other <laughs> whole other topic. But it's certainly the most, the clearest, and, and the most it doesn't doesn't have doesn't pause much for for fillers or or meditation. It just immediately, 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 and at the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark, we have. Uh, Behold, I send my messenger before my face to prepare my way. We have John the Baptist standing at the River Jordan saying, uh, well, he said in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, you know, the, the Messiah is coming. He is preparing people. Just like Qui-Gon, he has this sense that God's providential will is about to do something radically different. And, and so just like Qui-Gon... Uh, John the Baptist is this kind of rogue, and just like John <laughs> Baptist, Qui-Gon is this kind of roguish, you know, kind of out of the old republic, I think. He, he's he got the long hair, he's not so hot on what the Jedi Council is on about, um, you know, kind of goes, harkens back to an era when the, the whole Je- Jedi Republic Senate alliance wasn't so entrenched. And and so because of that, he can stand outside it a little and, and question it a little, just like the way John the Baptist can stand outside. You don't find him in Jerusalem yet. You find him out by the River Jordan, you know, not too far away from Jerusalem. Maybe people can walk, but they have to leave. They have to go out. And you find Qui-Gon, you know, Obi-Wan says, if you just obey the council's orders, or, or, or you'd have a seat there, you'd... He just played ball, played nice, and Qui-Gon's, oh, no, they, we need to be mindful of the living force. We need to be sensitive to this new thing that might be happening. Uh, what is the living force? Uh, what, what do I mean by that? And let's go down, <coughs> go down the, the rabbit trail here. It was a good opportunity, because I, I mentioned it a little bit before. The living force and the unifying force, and this, this, these terms are obviously debated and come from mostly legend sources. Uh, the way I see it, the unifying force is that what Obi Wan says, you know, it binds us. You know, and I think this comes more from from Taoism, but I'm going to clearly have a bit of a, you know, a Western Christian spin on it. Uh, living force being. The, the, the thing that binds us and, and holds things together and uh, that order, the coherent order to the galaxy, to the universe. Um, thing, I'm going to bring up this word. The thing that midichlorians tap into. Midichlorians, yeah, I said it. Tap into and uh, can connect with. Uh, importantly for our purposes... The Jedi, at their best, were able to tap into and receive from the unifying force. and But on its own, it meant that they... Uh, it's why they became so institutionalized. Because it was about unifying. It was about holding coherence and order together. Uh, the Sith, and here, here's the key point here, is the Sith also really really cared for had lots of 
while it's a fun with, shall we say, the unifying force in that for the Sith it was all about mastery over the force and taking control over the galaxy by having mastery over the force um, and for Qui-Gon coming in he's, he's wary of this looming threat of the Sith he also sees how the Jedi have been so taken in by the unifying force by this order and coherence that they are not aware of and not able to be sensitive to being mindful of the living force. It's why Qui-Gon has to tell Obi-Wan, and, and, and we're given this again at the very beginning, be mindful of the living force, be sensitive to what this new thing can happen. And there's a very clear parallels here. I think, again, I went into this a little bit in my Darth Vader episode. Um, John the Baptist, again, he's outside of Jerusalem. He's out on the Jordan River saying, you know, repent and be baptized, be cleansed because Messiah is coming, because the the Holy Spirit is about to do a new thing and after centuries of only having this pattern of Torah observance and Torah worship uh, and not that again, not that John the Baptist opposed it, he was, we believe he's part of, we're connected to the somehow connected to, related to the Essenes, who had this very clear sense of Torah observance, but they knew they wouldn't find it faithful, find faithful Torah observance by staying in Jerusalem. They had to go out, just like <coughs> Qui-Gon knew he wouldn't find the full faithful observance of the will of the Force by the way the Jedi were so tied into just the unifying force on the Council in Coruscant. Um, being mindful of the living force on the other side, and, and, and the, there's two sides of this here. To only care about, we don't really see anyone being so only caring about the living force. Only uh, again, Qui Gon, he doesn't say ignore the unifying force. Uh, he uses Anakin's midi chlorian count, for example, as as a, a sense of just how strong is this guy, just how tapped in is he, um, but. He's also aware that just over just being mindful of the living force, just caring about that, that's chaos. That's rampant individualism that I'm sure he got accused of from the Jedi Council. Um, the type of rogue, uh, you, know, you know, just going on on the, on your own. That rogue chaos that the Sith also loved and. Uh, we see, for example, we see an Anakin uh, taking both and bringing both together, both unifying and living force together, but in a dark way that can get twisted. And, of course, he he himself doesn't do that. It's Darth Vader is this machine of unity, of uniformity imposed on him by the Emperor, by the Emperor's chaos. Um... But let's go back to John the Baptist and uh, wanting. I mean, and but that's the thing is this this prophecy of, of balance and balance bring balance to the force. You know what is so what is balance then? And we often think oh, it's balance between light and dark. And uh, you know, oh, we 
good guys and bad guys and whatnot. See, here's the thing. As, as I don't think that that's really what balance means. This is just my two cents here. Balance, I would say, is balance not between light and dark, but between living and unifying. Between what in, in church circles we'd say, between tradition and innovation. Between the structures, institutions uh, that you know make bind us together and hold us together as communities, and the ability to critically question and think and imagine beyond those communities. Uh, we talked about you know going back to Luke as the culminate or, or Qui Gon as the culmination of Luke's journey, and, and what they mean there is for what 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 TPF eleven thirty eight means there is. Uh, Luke is yearning and seeking to imagine a way forward uh, to return return the Jedi and a way forward past the Empire. Uh, but he has to do it in a way that doesn't re- repeat the mistakes that the Jedi made in the past. He has to, to quote, uh, quote Tony here, he has to step outside the schema by confronting the Emperor and his father but laying down his lightsaber to do it as to step outside. And that to me is the prophetic role is to step outside and look at. And so we see, and, and, and that's the thing is Luke, he's, he's a little immature. You know, we see an empire strikes back. He's, he's all, you know, wants to rush out and go save Han and Leia. And ultimately we, he's, he's right to some extent. Wants to rush out and confront Vader and, and kill him. <laughs> and, of course, learns the truth about his own identity there. Uh, but when he's finally matured, and, and this is this was Tony's point here, he, he's in, in at the end of Return of the Jedi when he's able to uh, lay down his lightsaber and say, I will not kill my father. I will actually choose that balance of I'm going to be mindful of what is the force doing here uh, and also what is the order that it's bringing together uh, and, and that's the, the, the fascinating thing and that the title of this episode is uh, you know, a reference to an Advent hymn it's a reference to on Jordan's bank the Baptist's cry announces that the Lord is nigh and what that's all about is John the Baptist. He's at the River Jordan, and he he sees Jesus coming, and he's he's met Jesus before in his mother's wombs. Um, presumably, met Jesus before as the cousins. But here's the main point: is he he sees him and immediately recognizes, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." Um, Advent is this fascinating thing where time is not linear it has a dual meaning uh it's about the second coming of christ to reign in his eternal kingdom uh it's about the first coming of christ as an infant as a baby what's fascinating about about tony's essay then is luke we can see he's mindful of the living force such that He's able to bring about the return of Anakin Skywalker. Qui-Gon is mindful of the living force, such as that he's able to see the Chosen One 
immediately. He recognizes him. Again, it's not just because of the midichlorian count. That's part of it. But it's also because he sees this immense skill. He sees in this, this nine-year-old boy this charm and generosity and warmth that only later is tragically ripped from him. And uh, by in part by the, the way the Jedi train their younglings. Um, but he's able to instantly recognize, oh, in this kid, maybe the the chosen one who will actually be able to be sensitive to the living force and be aware of how everything fits together. Uh, we see, you know, the, the li- another way of talking about the unifying force, a parallel would be, be the wisdom, the order with which God made creation, the, the logos we talk about in, in in kind of Christian mysticism, but in the beginning of the Gospel of John. You know, John the Baptist sees in Jesus both the the new work of the Holy Spirit and the order through which creation was made. We see John the Evangelist, of course, fleshing that out. Qui-Gon Jinn sees this virgins, talks about the virgins in the Force. And the Earth Plagueis novel goes into that, and I'll go into that more in a later episode, but he's able to see this this new thing that's coming, that's happening, uh, that may result, may bring about peace and order and a new healthy order to the galaxy. So that's how I see Qui-Gon Jinn as the culmination of the prophetic office in, in the parallels with John the Baptist. John the Baptist, of course, being the culmination, I should add in, the idea that John the Baptist is the culmination of Israel's prophetic office from of old, from you know, why he looks like Elijah, <laughs> why he looks like goes going out and eating the berries and, and you know the bees' honey and all that, and harking back to a time where the prophets had this place of openly questioning but also pointing to the true identity and true calling of of God's people. Um, in the same way, Qui-Gon Jinn has this place of uh, standing outside and calling the Jedi to truly be who the Force calls them to be. Uh, the ones who actually seek the balance and are open to the way of the living Force too. Um, so I'll conclude, <coughs> this leads me to conclude with uh, a bit of questions about prophecy generally. And, and it's this word that is deeply misunderstood, I think, in a lot of ways. We hear it in so many different contexts. Um, sorry, we hear it in prophecy as in, oh, the prophecy of someone way back telling us what's going to happen way in the future. Yeah, that, that does work a little bit. Um, what's interesting there is the prophecy of the Chosen One. I mean, it's interesting how I was able to, uh, how I got this whole theory of what, and, and all these debates about what is balance, what is imbalance, out of this simple line about this prophecy. So the role of prophecy and the role of, for example, apocalyptic prophecy, pr- predictions of the end times, yeah, they do give us a sense of what might happen in the future. 
They're also about revealing the way things are now and what it, and, and maybe what is about to happen just around the corner because of the way things are. And so a big point of the prophecy about the chosen ones bring balance to the force. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, in, in kind of sci-fi talk, space opera talk. Yeah. They, it is a device used to say, this is where we are now. This is actually being fulfilled now. It's certainly something that the gospel writers, especially the gospel of Matthew said, uh, okay, this is where we, this is what was said back then. This is what they hoped for in the exile in Babylon, especially, but even before with Isaiah and Jeremiah and well, Jeremiah is coming up to the exile in Babylon, but this agent of God who was going to come and save the world. And of course, with Matthew and with John, it's God himself in his own right hand come to save the world and save humanity from their sins. Um, why in, in Matthew, see, he's named Jesus to save humanity from their sins. Anyway, the, the prophecy of the chosen one and prophecy itself, though, again, it's also about what is the world today? What is it actually like? Speaking truth to power. Uh, and that's why prophets weren't always the most popular and never really are. Um, but again, riffing off of, of uh, TPF 1138's little essay, uh, it, there, there's a bit of a, a caution. It makes me, makes me think of a bit of a caution about when we apply the t- label prophecy to ourselves. And I've heard that, I've heard the, the, that word in various contexts. Yeah. And the, kind of a sci-fi fantasy speak um, in, in kind of certain forms of charismatic Christianity where people get a message from God that they, they got to, got to, got to get out. And, and uh, you know, in some ways that you can say that's legitimate in some ways it's kind of questionable, but you got to judge it from its fruits uh, as the, the scripture says in both liberal and conservative Anglican circles and <laughs> in, in conservative Catholic circles too. Um, in that, you know, people saying, well, we're doing this new thing, we're changing doctrine, or we're evolving doctrine, or developing doctrine, whatever, we're being prophetic. And and I, I do see some merit in that to some degree, in that we're challenging previously held assumptions, uh, or you know, be challenging previously held assumptions, be it of the church or of secular society. Uh, depending on who you're asking or who you're talking to, um, but because but here's the warning and the the caution is because that the uh, our friend TPF eleven thirty eight brings up in that this is a culmination of a personal personal growth. Be, to be a prophet needs to come from a place of maturity, from a culmination of. And in John the Baptist's case, a culmination of this tradition stretching back a thousand years that had this definitive endpoint of, for John the Baptist at least, and for Second Temple Judaism, of pointing to the Messiah, saying, and here is the faithful remnant in this one person. Here is faithful Israel. Here are the faithful. Here's what it means for a Jedi Knight to be faithful and for the Jedi to be faithful. What we'll see maybe with Luke in his culminated role, if I can say that. Maybe he does say the Jedi as such need to end and that 
we don't know what's going to happen in episode 8 if there are going to be more echoes of Qui-Gon than of anyone else. That would be a wonderful nod. Um, and so courage is needed. Yes, courage is needed. And imagination is needed to question previously held assumptions, question the status quo. Uh, you know, I, I was looking at materials for uh, ordination and um, in my diocese. And one of the criteria is to have a, a healthy and loyal but not uncritical relationship with the home church and home diocese. See, John the Baptist, I can say, has a healthy, loyal, but uncriti- but not uncritical relationship to the Jedi, or to, to Israel, and to, to God's people. Qui-Gon Jinn, healthy, loyal, but not uncritical relationship to the Jedi, to the Force, uh, to the way we've received the Force, uh, or the, they've received the force in the last couple decades, couple centuries. Um, and it's that balance there that really is a matter of maturity, to hold those two together. Frankly, I'm I'm 32. I don't think I can do it right now. I, I mean, I can, yeah, I, I'll have a healthy, loyal, uh, and not uncritical relationship with my diocese. But... You know, people our age, we tend to just go one or the other. We tend to be very rigid in our adherence to previously held assumptions, to orthodox doctrine uh, only. Or we tend to just go all gung-ho for the new thing, the shiny new thing. And uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, punching above his weight, (laughs) going above beyond his years. Luke in Return of the Jedi shows us, oh, actually, we have to have respect for the past and imagination to go uh, forward into the future. Um, Because, as Qui-Gon says at the very beginning, prophecy is about being mindful of the living force, being faithful in Christian terms, faithful and even docile may get it, get at what I'm getting at in that submitting to what God is doing and who God is with God's people. Uh, But being mindful of the living force, focusing on the present moment, because as he also says to Obi-Wan, your focus determines your reality. So this has been episode four of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. Uh, we, you know, for Christ's sake, Anakin is and Qui-Gon and John the Baptist are all for the chosen one's sake, Christ, for the chosen one's sake, Anakin. Uh, hopefully this being insightful, you can uh, let me know what you think. Uh, find me at Twitter at NUG485 and Instagram MNEUG1138 and post in the comments. I'll share this on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah, please let me know what you think. And this has been episode four. Signing off.